0: Something happened to me that night. Like, although I survived physically, I've just never been the same guy since that night. And like, a, a definite part of me died that night, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. I always felt called to cycle around the world. And when I'd done that, I kind of realized why I had always wanted to do that. I was building stronger legs and building better fitness in my heart and my lungs also by showing up and committing to it, I was building a muscle within my mind which was resilience essentially.
1: Hello and welcome to the Mindset Matters podcast. I'm Dr Gemma Lee Roberts. When we think about the challenges we've faced in our lives... Perseverance and determination often play a key role in helping us navigate or even overcome adversity. In this episode, Josh Quigley shares his incredible story, starting with his lowest moment as he survived a suicide attempt, to finding his passion for cycling and achieving the goal of cycling around the world. But Josh's cycling journey has never been smooth. He showed incredible determination and perseverance, as he rode through multiple setbacks, resulting in not one, not two, but eight attempts to reach his around the world goal. It was on one of his earlier attempts that he had a mental block in his ability. Josh tells the story of cycling from Scotland to England and catching the ferry across to France. Once in France, he convinces himself he can't do it. So he gets back on the ferry to England. Back in Dover, in England, He tells himself he can do it, and he joins the next ferry back to France. In France, the same overwhelming feeling returns and he goes back to England again. It's a good story to tell, but more importantly, gives a visual representation of our own resilience journeys. At one moment, we might have belief in ourselves. We're feeling resilient and we're prepared to face the unknown. At another moment, we don't have the resilience reserves to meet the challenge at hand. So how do we carry on? Listen along to Josh as he tells his story of the many ups and downs that are part of his cycling journey. And yet, no, he always finds the determination to pick himself up and try again. If you enjoy this conversation with Josh, check out the Mindset Matters Hub, where you'll find tons of resources on the topic of resilience and motivation. Hello Josh and welcome to the Mindset Matters podcast. How are you today?
0: I'm very well thanks enjoying some of the nicer sunny weather up here in Scotland so yeah feeling good for that thank you.
1: I know I think where you are it's nice and sunny where I am down south it's just sweltering. It would be quite nice I think I'd love to be in Scotland. I'd like to be where you are right now. So thanks for joining me. I think we're going to have a really interesting conversation today. I've been watching your story feeling quite amazed actually and really, really inspired. So I really want to jump into some of that today. I guess to kind of get started, how would you describe where you are right now?
0: That's a good question. Where where am I right now? So right now I'm I'm in a really amazing place and I think it's because of the fact that this year I've actually had quite a difficult time and I've not been in a good place. So I got sick round about February or March this year. I'd contracted the Epstein-Barr virus. So obviously as a guy that's, you know, training full-time, you know, a full-time athlete, that's been quite a difficult journey for me. So for the last six months, I've not been able to, you know, be on the bike and cycling and training as much as I'd like to have. And also just for my own general health, things have been really challenging as well and that's always had a, had an impact on me mentally as well because you know cycling and training is such a, a great outlet for me just for my own state of mind but in the last couple of weeks I've had a real breakthrough with my health and I seem to be over the worst the, the virus that I had so I've just been feeling really healthy I've been out on the bike I've been training and I've just been I think appreciated it more than ever because of having the experience this year and not having it and so I think you know just to be feeling healthy again and to be able to be back training and back in the bike, which is the thing I love, just makes me feel really good. So I'm feeling really happy at the moment with that.
1: Amazing news, because I I know that you've been challenged, had some challenging times with your health as well. So I'm really pleased to hear that's back on track and you're back on the bike and training hard as well. How would you describe your kind of story to getting into cycling? This is something that I find really amazing.
0: Yeah, so I think my my story really begins in two thousand and fourteen. I just went through quite a big breakup with my girlfriend. We were young kids that got together in high school, you know, we were about fifteen years old, broke up around twenty two. So obviously that was a huge part of my life at that time. Never really knew how to deal with that. And so I was feeling really depressed, really suicidal and just really in a really dark place in my life, you know, mentally for the first six months, really, 2015, which led to me deciding to try and take my own life and attempting suicide. And I'd been quite lucky and survived and, you know, felt like I'd been given a second chance. And I was in a place where I knew that I was going to have to make some changes and do things differently. I didn't really know what I was going to do because I'd basically spent, you know, most of my early years drinking, you know, going to the pub, you know, just living for the weekend. That was the sort of guy that I was growing up but I knew that alcohol was, was holding me back and making things worse in my life. So I was definitely looking to try and stop drinking and, you know, be a bit healthier. And then I was inspired by Sir Chris Hoy. I'd heard him speaking at an event in Edinburgh and obviously knew who he was, you know, the UK's greatest and most successful Olympian at that time. And I was just so inspired by him and I just thought I need to, I need to be on a bike. And yeah, I set myself the challenge of trying to cycle around the world and, That was really how I got started recycling.
1: There is such a story there that I'm going to kind of delve into if that's okay with you. You mentioned the fact that kind of just before deciding to start cycling that you had a suicide attempt. What led you to that point? Do you remember what that felt like or, or kind of what was going on in your life at that time?
0: Yeah so I'd I'd been through a really big breakup and that was you know the key event for why I was feeling so depressed at that time and I think that the number one thing to say about that time in my life was that I believed back then that how I felt then was how I was going to feel forever like I just there was a real sort of permanence of it I'd been six months into it and six months later I wasn't feeling any better than I was when it first happened I remember thinking to myself, "Well, I'm probably going to be in the same place in an six months, in an six months," and I just felt like I have no hope here that I can ever overcome this, no hope that I can ever feel better. And I think that when you lose hope, you lose everything because you need hope to to stay alive and to to keep fighting on. And I think that's what happened. I just lost hope, and I felt like suicide was the only option for me at that time. I never believed that it was possible for me to to be happy again.
1: And it must feel like now you're a million miles from that. Can you imagine ever being in that position again? Or do you think that's something that has taught you so much and you've changed through that process?
0: I actually can still imagine being there because to be honest with you, I still to this day struggle with suicidal thoughts and ideation. I think the amazing thing now is that I'm never in a place where I'm anywhere near going to do it. But... In my life, when things go wrong, when there's big, bad, traumatic things that happen, my first thought in my head a lot of the time is still thinking about ending my life. It's just like a go-to response for me. And I don't know where that comes from really. I think some people have maybe just got a predisposition to that. I don't know. I think I'm the sort of guy as well, if you look at my my sort of personality and psychology, I'm a bit of an extreme guy. You know, I'm very perfectionist. And so I think that when you're somebody like that, when you're always kind of trying to like do really extreme things and always trying to be perfect, although not intentionally, just because of how you're wired, I sometimes feel that if things don't live up to that perfect model of the world that I've tried to create, then I think about ending my life. And so I'm in an amazing place now that any time I've ever had things go wrong, and I think like that, I know that I'm never going to do it. I know that I don't have to you know, worry for myself because I know that it's just a thought. And I know that I'm in a much better place now than I was, you know, when I did attempt suicide eight years ago, because I know now that whatever I face in life day to day, I know I can overcome it and I know I can be happy again. And so I'll, I'll definitely never do it, but it doesn't mean that I don't still think about it.
1: Thank you for that honesty. I, because I, th- I feel like sometimes, well, particularly because my research topic is resilience, So particularly when we talk about like really challenging times, it's often not easy but easier to talk about things that have happened in the past like something that's happened and that we've overcome that because I guess as time goes on there's a bit of a dissociation with it You you start to kind of move away from that a little bit and you can talk about the things that you've learned or how things have changed but I really think it's so important that we share challenges in real time because even though it's really painful to do that because half the time we don't have the answers. Some massive challenge happens in our life that, that threatens to throw us off course. or so if it's threatening or we do lose hope for a moment or even a long moment we lose hope for, I think talking about that in, in kind of real time, like these are the things I deal with now, is really helpful both for ourselves because we're sharing that and you then have an the opportunity of kind of tapping into support around you. It's also really helpful for other people as well who might be going through challenges as well. and What I love about the way that you just framed that is you might you still have those thoughts or those feelings or you might feel kind of your head might still go there, but you know you'll never do anything about it now because you, you've got, I guess you've learnt ways to cope with that and also you, you've learned ways to understand that that's a thought or maybe it's a moment in time and, and these things pass as well. So thank you for sharing that because I think that could be really helpful for other people going through something similar.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to think so. I think in my life, I've been, been quite lucky to have, you know, a lot of different teachers and mentors and, you know, books. Books has been a big thing for me. Like, I, I know that, you know, there's other stories out there, people that have overcome certain things. And, you know, I've always loved reading other people's stories. And, yeah, I think that the fact that my story is out there now, I'm not sure how I would have responded, you know, eight years ago if I read a story similar to mine at that time i can't remember i've seen stories like that so yeah i think for for getting our stories out there can definitely hopefully bring some hope to other people that there's you know there's a different way
1: and kind of going back to that moment as well what happened like when you came around because obviously i've i've listened to your story and i've watched your story in, in documentaries as well so i kind of had a bit of an insight into that but how would you describe like what kind of what happened next was there a moment of disbelief when what you'd attempted to hadn't happened
0: yeah so I I basically crashed my car at high speed on the motorway really late at night about one o'clock in the morning and you know I woke up in hospital the following day and to my surprise like never had any injuries and was basically told 24 hours after crashing my car at really high speed that I was I was free to go because I was had no no injuries basically and I can remember before I left the hospital like I got up out of my bed and I went along in the wee chapel in the hospital and I was just sitting in there and I'd never been religious you know never been spiritual at that time I was just a you know a young British guy living for the weekend going out to the pub with his mates didn't have any sort of religious or spiritual beliefs but that night I, I wrote a wee message in the book in the chapel, which basically thanked the God that I never believed in and said, I'm going to turn my life around and do something different. And to be honest with you, I've never really been the same since that night. Like something, something happened to me that night. Like although I survived physically, I've just never been the same guy since that night. And like a, a definite part of me died that night, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. A lot of the things that I was interested in up until that night, I just fell out of love with overnight and so yeah something happened to me that night and you know faith is something that came into my life it's something that's very personal to me you know you'll very rarely ever hear me talking about it to anybody else even in my family and friends it's just something that's really personal for me but faith is the thing that that really means something to me and probably the number one thing in my life now to be honest
1: Which is a massive change, like you say, compared to where you were before. So it's kind of like part of you was left behind and a new part of you was born in that evening.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, as cheesy as it may sound, like I did go through like a spiritual awakening that night. Like something, something happened to me when I crashed that car that night. And I think that basically what I was, what I've interpreted what happened was that the person that I thought I was died that night. You know, the ego died that night and who I really was at my core was allowed to to be born that night, essentially. And that journey in my whole life and getting into cycling and going on the bike and trying to cycle around the world and essentially becoming the person I am today, it all started with that night and that's where that's where everything came from.
1: And what happened next? So you, so you left hospital and went home the next day, which find astounding because obviously you like physically I guess the hospitals the the work's done like if, if you're if there's nothing physically wrong then you're gonna go home basically aren't you so what happened when you went back to normal life after that
0: to be honest with you nothing really happened for about three or four months like I just I just went back to my old life really and just kept doing what I'd always done because I didn't really know what else to do like I'd I was a young guy that you know started drinking when I was a a teenager you know just going out to the pub with my mates all the time and that that was all I really knew at that time and so I just I kept going back to the pub I kept drinking it was my only real thing that I knew what to do at that time but something had changed within me like I can remember being in my, my local pub which at that time was like my favorite place in the world like I loved going up there but I can remember just being in there you know drinking my my favorite pint of Stella and just something was different I was like this is this is not what I'm supposed to be doing this is this is not what I'm here for essentially and I just knew but I didn't even know what else to do because you know what what do you do when you've been living that life for you know the last 10 years basically and so I didn't really know what to do but something had definitely shifted within me and then you know it happened to go along to that event where Sir Chris Holly was speaking and after being inspired by him I decided to try to cycle around the world and I don't think it was anything really special or specifically about Sir Chris Hoy and about his talk I think he just helped me see something within me that was always there I just needed somebody to bring it out and yeah I think given that everything that I've done on the bike the last few years now and the place that I've got to I just I just really believe I was always born to do this I was born to ride a bike and this was always the path for me and just yeah, I needed that big life event to, to just get me on the right track, really.
1: Do you think if you hadn't seen Chris Hoy speaking, that you still would have found cycling in another way?
0: It's a hard question to answer whether I would have still gone into cycling if I'd never seen Sir Chris Hoy. I genuinely just believe I was always supposed to be there that day. Like, I just, when I look back at my life, you know, the, all the events in my life, my entire journey, how it's all unfolded, Looking back at of it all just, it's so, it all feels just so meant to be. I just really believe I was always supposed to be there that day. And I'd like to think that if it wasn't so across that day, something else would have helped me realize that. And yeah, I just, I just believe I was supposed to be there that day.
1: And I guess kind of like rewinding a little bit as well, so kind of going back to when that place, that really, really dark place. If, if there was someone else that was in that position right now, what would you say to them?
0: To anybody who's you know, in the position that I was in eight years ago, which was somebody that was really depressed and suicidal and thinking of taking their own life, I would say to them first of all that, you know, you can you can be happy again, as hard as it seems right now, and as impossible as it might seem right now, it is definitely possible for things to change and for things to improve and to feel better. But in order for that to happen you're probably going to need to do something about it. You're going to have to assume some sort of responsibility over your life and, to be honest, probably make some changes and do some things differently. And I think that was really one of the most empowering parts of my journey was that moment when I realized that it was my responsibility because I never always had that. And it came to me through quite a tough conversation I had with a business mentor that I was working with at the time. And I just knew that there was events in my life that I could have blamed things I could have pointed to but why I was feeling the way I was but ultimately it came down to who, who I was as an individual and you know what I was doing with my life you know the choices I was making each day my actions, my behaviours, how I was spending my time and once I got in control of all of that sort of stuff that was when things started to change for me because I realised that if I'm responsible for this then I can be responsible for turning it around as well and that's quite an empowering moment
1: Such an empowering moment, I can imagine. And I think that's brilliant advice as well for other people that might be in the same position. And the thing is, you know, what happens next will be different for everyone. Like how you take accountability, how you decide what changes you make in your life will be different for everyone. But I think it's so important to know, like for all of us, that actually we can choose to do that. And, and and to some extent, that's that's really what this podcast is about. So it's about mindset and it's about the fact that in all my years of research, there's so much I don't know about psychology. There's so much that, that psychologists in general don't know about psychology. But one of the things that we do know is that how we see the world or how we perceive the world is how we experience it. So we have the power to shift that if we want to and if it's helpful for us. I, and I, I really like that message that it can be in your control. You might need to make some changes, but actually you can change how your life looks and how your life feels as well. So going fast forward a bit again, I guess, to the part where you've, you're listening to Chris Hoy. Did you know immediately, did you immediately think I'm getting on a bike?
0: Yeah, I absolutely knew I was getting on a bike. And at that time, you know, I'd, i came up with this crazy idea called the Tartan Explorer, where I was basically going to go around the world, you know, telling my story, taking on a huge challenge for mental health. And that was that was a plan, but it didn't have anything to do with cycling. And then once I heard Sir Chris Hoy, and I was inspired by him that day, sitting in the audience that day as a guy that hadn't been on a bike since I was a wee boy, I said, I'm going to cycle around the world. And yeah, that was another life-changing moment for me for sure.
1: And how did that pan out, the quest to cycle around the world? I can't, like, I guess I'm thinking about practically, I can't even imagine how you start that process. Like, I don't even know what you pack or, like, what you plan. That blows my mind. But also just you as a person, like, how did you prepare to take on that quest?
0: Yeah, it sounds a bit crazy looking back in it, but I never really trained for it and I never really done much cycling because I was, I was to be honest I was so busy basically trying to make it happen like I was so busy trying to you know get the sponsors and the partners and do all that side of things that I never spent that much time actually getting physically ready to cycle around the world and once I managed to get everything in place you know six months after he and Sir Chris Hoy I was in my driveway in my front garden on a bike all packed up ready to go and try and cycle around the world and Yeah, to be honest, I never really had much of a plan. I was just heading south, trying to go through Scotland and the UK, get the boat across to France and start cycling through Europe. I was just taking it one day at a time. And I think that what's interesting to say is at that time, I was always quite in a dark place. Mentally, I wasn't feeling the best I've ever felt. And so I was really just doing it as my way to try and be happy again. Like That was why I wanted to do it. I never really wanted to cycle around the world. I wanted to be happy. I don't think I even realized that when I was setting off. I like get the time, I probably thought I wanted to cycle around the world. But really, I think I just wanted to be happy again. And, you know, I basically spent one year on the bike cycling around Europe. Done about 10,000 miles, 14 countries. And after doing that, I just felt amazing. You know, I felt really happy. I was really healthy. I was really fit. You know, I'd obviously, you know, lost a bit of weight. I was cycling every day. I wasn't drinking. Just there was a total transformation in my lifestyle and also how it felt physically and mentally and i decided to quit the cycle and just go back home to scotland because i'd never cycled around the world but i got my life back on track and i was happy and that was really the the real goal all along i suppose And so yeah i thought that that was me finished recycling i never realized that i would have to be back at it a few years later
1: and you kept trying that's what i find so amazing about your story is how many times did you did you attempt to cycle around the world
0: so it ended up being eight attempts before I finished it.
1: Amazing. And two questions about that. Kind of what made you stop on the seven attempts to that final attempt? And what made you commit to it the last time?
0: So after I came home after the first attempt, and we had been away for a year, initially it was really good to be back in Scotland. You know, I was really happy. I was feeling great. But it was so easy to come home to my old environment. And then just start living like the person that I used to be in that environment. And so, when I came home, you know, the bike was in the shed, gathering cobwebs. I'd be back up the pub, you know, drinking again. wasn't eating very well, and just just easy to fall back into those old habits and your old environment. And so, I kind of started to struggle again, and decided that I was going to instead get back in the bike and go away and try it again. And I'd go away for maybe a few weeks, and then I would come home, and then I'd go away again and try it. I'd done that for a few months, i just there was something within me that wanted to do it and there was also something always stopping me and i eventually kind of went away from cycling for for about a year and a half almost and i was just i was working as a speaker at the time like i was kind of telling my story i was going to schools and stuff like that and i was i was loving doing that and then my dad passed away just before christmas in 2018 And I found that event quite difficult. You know, it's obviously really tough losing a parent. And cycling had been the sort of thing that I'd always turned to when I'd felt lower mentally. And so after my dad died, it kind of started making me think about cycling again. I thought maybe I should try and go and finish my cycle around the world. And I went and had another couple of attempts and came back home. And there was just something within me. Couldn't commit to it. Couldn't finish it. And I got to a point where I realized that I'd had six attempts at trying to cycle around the world, and six times I'd come home and having not done it. That was the sort of guy that I was for most of my life. Like, I couldn't commit to things. I couldn't finish things. Like my mum will tell you a story about when I was a wee boy. I would do karate for three weeks and then football for three weeks and then swimming for three weeks. Like I just always chopping and changing. And I thought, do you know what? It's time for me to just pick something. Commit to it and finish it for the sake of finishing it. And so, cycling around the world was the thing that it was going to be. You know, I tried it six times. And so, I set off for a seventh attempt and I said, I'm going to cycle around the world and I'm not going to stop until I finish. Doesn't matter what happens along the way, doesn't matter how many obstacles I face, doesn't matter how many times I want to quit and come home, you're going to finish this no matter what. And honestly, from that moment, On April the 14th, 2019, I never looked back. And that basically took me 15,000 miles around the world, right across Europe, Asia, Australia, halfway across America. And then that's when I had my big accident in Texas.
1: And it kind of feels a little bit at this point like that, that there's a part of your life that kind of goes full circle there because, you know, if we think where... Some of this story starts, I know there's a whole backstory to your life way before we get to this point, but you know your car accident right at the start that changes your life. And then you have, you're, you're almost at the point where you've made these changes in your life. You've committed to a massive challenge. Through the process, I'm guessing that a lot has changed for you as well. You've taken accountability. You've committed to something. You've made massive positive changes in your life. And then there's another car accident it seems bizarre that they that it's, they're, they're kind of like bookends to this story if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, definitely I think, it's something I think about every day to be honest, like you know the first car crash that I'd done 70 miles an hour and then got hit by a car cycling across Texas that hit me at 70 miles an hour and yeah, just there's something about the number 7 just keeps coming up all the time, like it was, that was my 7th attempt to cycle around the world it just, yeah, there's something just a bit kind of spooky and Yes, there's definitely some sort of higher intelligence involved in it all. Like, I just truly believe that.
1: It's astounding how this all pieces together. And then what happens... So, so obviously, it's a serious car accident. If you've been hit at 70 miles an hour and you're on a bike, what happens then?
0: Yeah, so the last thing I can remember was just riding my bike was on Highway 36 between Gatesville and Temple in Texas. And then the next thing I can really remember was being in a helicopter. <laughs> I, I knew something had went wrong, the fact that I was in a helicopter, but obviously there was a lot of adrenaline, but this time I'm getting, you know, pumped full of morphine, so I didn't actually feel any pain, but, you know, I was obviously in a pretty pretty bad way. And the car had hit me from behind at 70 miles an hour. I flew about 50 feet through the air and then hit the ground. I was, you know, incredibly, incredibly lucky to be alive, but I did have a long list of injuries, including a traumatic brain injury, seven broken ribs, a punctured lung, a fractured spine, fractured pelvis, broken ankle, broken shin, broken heel bone, three major surgeries to put me back together again. So yeah I was I was in a pretty bad way but I can honestly say that when I woke up in hospital the next again day I was truly happy to be alive and I was asking my doctors and my nurses when can I get back on the bike because I've got a challenge to finish and I need to finish cycling around the world and that came really from that commitment to cycling. I promised myself I was going to finish it. And I think also, more importantly, that year cycling around the world, I really fell in love with cycling in a way that I hadn't done any of the previous attempts. Like when I started that seventh attempt, I was doing maybe 50 miles a day. By the end of that challenge, I was doing over 200 miles a day and I was just a total different guy. Like I was, was a huge transformation. Like I didn't really know why. I was uh, why I wanted to cycle around the world and why it kept calling me. By the end of it, I definitely knew. Like I just I transformed into an athlete, I transformed into somebody that was, in my opinion, really born to to cycle and race and compete on a bike. And that was why I always felt that calling to do it. And I'm so glad that I listened to that, you know, intuition and went for it. Because it'd been so easy to walk away and a lot of the people around me in my life, a lot of family, you know, a lot of friends kept saying to me, Josh, I think it's maybe time to do something else and and rightly so because it must have been hard watching me go through that, you know, start and stopping all the time. And yeah, I think that when I had that crash in Texas, it just made me, me more determined to get back in the bike and finish it.
1: When that switch flicked for you in your head, and you were like, no, I'm committing to this and it's something that I really need to do. That was obviously so powerful that it kept putting you back. And I think, you know, that major test of whether you're going to do this or not where you're actually like physically knocked off your bike and bearing in mind all the times previously to that where you've kind of given up gone home you know that would be a very viable time really to be like actually you know what I'm gonna stop here and it's kind of enough but it but it's kind of like it was the final test like are you actually committed to this are you going to finish this and you did didn't you
0: yeah I think if i Turned around at that point and said, "You know what? I think I may be done with cycling. It's a little bit dangerous, and I almost died. I'm going to just walk away and do something else. I don't think there's anybody that would have held that against me. I think people would have said you know, fair enough. That's a pretty big thing to go through.' But I was, I was the opposite. Like I just knew that if I can get back in this bike and I can go back to Texas and I can go finish cycling around the world after having such a big accident." that's going to be such an amazing story and i think i was always always driven by that i just knew that if i finish cycling around the world now after overcoming this this is just an incredible story and I thought, there's only one person in the world that can can finish this story and that's me and so to be honest i never doubted it it was never a question of will i go finish the cycle around the world it was just a case of when and when the time happened and you know Global pandemic had kind of eased off a bit and I was allowed to travel back to America. I went back to Texas, went to my old hospital, visited all my doctors and nurses, and you know, thanked them for, for what they'd done to put me back together again. And then, yeah, set off to of Texas and rode up to New York and finally finished cycling like, around the world.
1: How long after the accident in Texas was that that you went back?
0: So, my accident was just before Christmas in 2019. And then I got back to Scotland round about February 2020, then the pandemic happened. Didn't get back to America until November 2021. So yeah, it was a few years after the accident, but that was that was literally the first opportunity that I had because America had closed its borders to, to the world at that time due to COVID.
1: And tell me what it felt like when you finally got to New York because I've seen the documentaries, I've seen footage of you when you get in. when you get to New York. How did it feel?
0: Yeah, it felt so special to to finish in New York. You know, it's a place that I'd tried to go to so many times, and I was always, you know, a big milestone getting across America because that was you're you're basically cycled around the world once you do that. And yeah, I think to finish in New York and have my fiance Megan fly out there to meet me. You know, it was a few days before Christmas, so you know Christmas in New York. Literally riding through Manhattan into Times Square, my fiance Megan's there. It's like it really was just the best fairy tale ending to that to that chapter in my my life. And yeah, it was just it felt incredible. I just and it felt personally really satisfying as well. You know, There's always been something that been hanging over me, and to actually just finish it once and for all was was just an amazing feeling.
1: You look so calm in the footage. Did you feel calm?
0: Yeah. Well, it, it wasn't like an overly euphoric, exciting moment. Like it was. It was almost just kind of like, this was. This is it. Like I've done it. Like I've I've overcome this. Like I've finished this, and that was it. Like I just needed to finish it. It just. It just felt like really meant to be. It felt really special, and I just felt like I've finally done this, and I can I can move on with my life because it's been hanging over me for a long time,
1: and what was the point where you thought okay I'm going to get back on a bike again because I guess at that point you then have a decision of okay do I leave this here this amazing achievement or
0: do I carry on? No I I never really considered stopping cycling at that point I think I always felt called to cycle around the world and when I'd done that I kind of realized why I had always wanted to do that and I think i just always felt that i had some sort of talent for for cycling and to, to try and compete and to try and go to a higher level and so the next step for me after that was to try and break some world records and manage to go on and do that and now you know trying to compete and trying to race and yeah i truly believe that i've got i've got something special like i've got got a talent for cycling i've also i've got a mindset and you know determination and a resilience about me that i can i can achieve anything that i can overcome anything i think that what I've done in cycling in just maybe two or three years is something that a lot of people might not do in their entire lives. And I think that if I can just keep committing to this and keep showing up with this, where can I be in an hour five or ten years is, you know, something that's really exciting for me. So, no, cycling around the world world was just the start for me. You know, it was definitely wasn't the end. And, yeah, I think it was just the start, eh? much bigger things to come for me on the bike in the future.
1: Which is amazing to hear. I cannot wait to see your adventures and what's coming next. Kind of delving into that then, so what do you, thinking about that resilience and the, the the feeling that, or the belief that you can overcome whatever comes your way, do you think you always had that or do you think that's something that you've developed?
0: No, I definitely didn't always have it. Like, what, what I have always had is I've always had self-belief and drive and ambition and confidence and determination. I've always had that. But there was a period where I lost some of that, you know, during that time when I was really depressed and I was suicidal. That was a really difficult period. But, you know, that drive and all those positive things has always been underneath that. But the mental strength and the resilience was definitely something that had to be trained and learned. And if I think about some of the things that made me quit cycling around the world way back in the beginning compared to, you know, right at the end, things that I was overcoming, that definitely came from just, practice and came from being out there and you know there's there's a funny story which I always tell where on one of my earlier attempts to at cycling around the world I cycled from Edinburgh down to Dover I got the boat across to France and thought no I can't do this so I got the boat back to Dover and then I thought no I can do this so I got the boat back to France then I got there again for no I can't do this so I got the boat back to Dover again and it's like that was literally just eight months before Texas and you know so I woke up in Texas, been hit by a car at 70 miles an hour, a long list of injuries, and was asking my doctor, when can I get back on the bike? You know, that was the same guy that eight months earlier got the boat between Dover and Cali all those times because he was so scared. And so that was really the journey that I went on in 2019, Cycling Around the World, just through committing to something and showing up every single day. Even when I didn't want to do it a lot of the time, there were so many times I wanted to quit, so many times I wanted to stop when you just commit to something and show up every single day, it builds, a, it builds a resilience and a mental strength within you. In the same way that when I was cycling in the world, I was building stronger legs and building better fitness in my heart and my lungs. Also by showing up and committing to it, I was building a muscle within my mind, which was resilience essentially.
1: And I mean, that is the perfect description of how we build resilience. Like we know from a research perspective, you have to you have to face challenges to become more resilient, and it's it can be a really hard thing to do because for most of us we don't want to start our days you know no one wakes up in the morning and thinks oh I really want a massive challenge today or I really want something to like knock me off course so I feel <laughs> horrendous you know we're not pla- we no one really wants to plan for that and and also you can't manufacture that because our brains know that like you can never role play that for example because your brain knows what's real what's not real. But the, I think the thing to remember is when we face these major life challenges, that is can also be an opportunity to learn something, to develop, to change our mindset, to strengthen um, our mindset, to build confidence, to build resilience. Um, but we have to take that opportunity. We have to find a way to take and, this is what's so hard in my world about training people to be resilient because so often I'll work with people or organisations kind of back in the day and they'll be like, you know, how do we become more resilient? And the thing is I can't, even as a resilience researcher, I cannot make people more resilient. All I can do is explain what it is, how it works and give people tools that can help them to figure that out when they face challenges. We can't manufacture challenges for people. And um, we need real life stuff to work through. So what do you, you know, if you, and I know it's a complicated process and no one's saying any of this stuff is easy, by the way. If you had to break it down to something really simple around what did you have to do with your mindset to get to the point on that final attempt, you push through things that you never could have got through before.
0: I I think something that's been important for me is, I love this concept of reference points. And for me, what reference points are is points to reference the things you've overcome in the past. And I use them in my life daily now. And so like a big one for me is when I'm out on the bike and I cycle over a bridge that goes over a motorway and I see the cars bombing up and down at 70 miles an hour. I always look every single day and I always say to myself literally out loud, I survived that. If I can survive that, I can survive anything. And it's just a wee thing that grounds me every single day. And I think about it in other areas of my life so anytime I go through something I always think to myself where have I been through this before and I try to look at it and apply it so like for me like a big one's food quite a tricky thing for me like I've always been quite a quite an addictive person you know quite obsessive and you know, obviously had issues with alcohol and stuff when I was younger and I find food quite tricky and it's also something that's really important as an athlete who's you know training a lot as well so Sometimes when I'm thinking about food, thinking about times when I'm maybe struggling with food, I always think back to like a reference point and like a time where I'd overcome something with food and achieve something with food and I know I can do it again. And so I think to anybody that's trying to, you know, make their mind stronger, make their mind more resilient, if they try and come up with a list, come up with a list of all the things you've been through in your life that you've overcome and try to think about them in times when you're going through other things and try to relate them to that. And that's that's a big thing for me, the reference points.
1: Yeah, that's brilliant advice. Because we've all got things that we've come through. Some of them will be massive, some will be smaller, and also, you know, some things will, will feel huge to someone and not to someone else. It's not so that doesn't really matter. But I think the core of what you're saying applies to everyone. It we've if we can take a moment to reflect on those refer, reference points, we can use that to help us get through a different. Because even if we've got through a completely different challenge in the past, knowing that we found a way to do that means that we can find a way to get through completely new challenges that come our way as well you mentioned when you were saying you first set off and you were kind of going backwards and forwards between dover and cannae back again which i love that story by the way thank you for sharing that that there was some kind of fear there that you were kind of scared of getting going what do you think that was do you know
0: yeah it's it's a really interesting one this because i was always scared to cycle around the world and there was always a lot of fear And I think when you say that, people go to a certain place in their mind and maybe assuming, which you probably rightly would assume that it was the fear of actually, you know, the challenge of cycling around the world, like the fear of like going through countries in Asia that you've never been through, like the fear of being robbed or something going wrong. That never scared me. That never bothered me. Like I never once doubted that I could cycle around the world. It was more like this sort of resistance that I felt. And it was like a fear of almost like I knew deep down what I was going to lead to and almost knew that what was going to come after it. And I think the the greatest way of describing this was, was that quote. I think it was in, oh, I'm trying to remember the book. It was based on A Course in Miracles, Marianne Williamson. And the quote is something like, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate, is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. And I think that basically sums up why I was so scared of cycling around the world. If you look at everything that I've done after that, you know, going and breaking world records and then trying to compete and race at a high level, that's actually quite scary. You know, it's scary doing the thing you were born to do because it requires you to put yourself out there. You know, you've got to be that man in the arena, taking criticism, a lot of pressure. And I always think deep down, I knew what was going to happen when I cycle around the world and I would get really good at it, i get really passionate about it. And I think that was the fear that always held me back.
1: Gosh, what, a, what an amazing reflection though, knowing that now. And I guess you got to a point where you had to push past that fear and and you just, if it's more something that you feel is a calling or a purpose that's meaningful to you, you just had to move towards that rather than letting that fear of what happens even the good stuff that is going to happen hold you back
0: yeah definitely i think i've always been quite aware of like the narrative of my life and the story i think because i'm somebody that you know i love books i love reading i love reading other people's stories i've always knew that i was going to do a book about my own story at some point and i can remember like before that that final attempt that's like around the world I can remember thinking when I was, when I was genuinely thinking about just walking away from it, I remember thinking to myself, like, is that the final chapter of your book? Is that like the final chapter of this story that you go through all that stuff? You know, you try and cycle around the world six times and then you just go away and do something else. I thought, that's a really shit ending. <laughs> like, that's that's not the way this book ends. And that that's something that I've always thought about. And I think it may sound a bit weird when you kind of live your life like a book, And you're the character in that book. But I think what it does is it basically just makes you live very consciously. And rather than just letting life happen to you, you start living life on your terms. And you start thinking like, what's the next chapter in my book? Which is really what's the next chapter in my life? And it allows you to consciously create the life you want to have really.
1: That's brilliant advice. And it's not weird at all. I think exactly the same thing. And I say exactly the same thing as well to people sometimes. I'm like, is that how you want the book to end? Or do you want to get to the next chapter? And, you know, because you could end up, because sometimes you've got the opportunity of kind of walking away from something at a really low point. You think, I want it to end there or do I want it to be a little bit better than that? Or you've got the, exactly like you, the opportunity to walk away from something at a high point. But then maybe you want to keep going with that. Like maybe you want to top that or do other things or, or, or find other high points as well. I actually think that's brilliant advice. And it's a really good way of getting yourself outside of your head sometimes as well. And also this, this idea of like broadening your perspective because, you know, we've all got our own perspectives. We all look at the world completely differently. There is no right way. We're all, <laughs> there's not even like you've got 10 options to choose from. You know, every single person will will look at the world and absorb what's going on around them completely differently. And I think this idea of thinking about your life as chapters gives you a moment to broaden that perspective. So you're not kind of looking out from where you are right now your point of view or being absorbed in your day-to-day. You're kind of looking up and looking out and thinking, okay, what could be next? Like, what do I want next? And I think that is such brilliant advice for people. What are you working on now what is your next
0: chapter so i'm now racing and competing on the bike that's that's my next chapter my, my journey into competitive racing and competitive cycling and yeah basically what i'm trying to do my ambition is to try and be an elite athlete at the highest level of professional sport like i want to i want to go to the highest level like i want to go to the, the tour de france and the world championships and the olympics like that's that's my big dream and i just i really feel that i'm i'm capable of doing it you know obviously came to cycling from a really crazy angle you know came to a, a really late age you know most people at my age if they're not a professional at the highest level at this age they're never going to do it but so a lot of people would say that you know it's crazy or it's impossible but i just know that i'm i'm different and i i just truly believe that's what i'm here for and that's what i was born to do and yeah i think that if you were to look at an elite athlete at the highest level of professional sport and break down their mindset their psychology their characteristics all their traits I've got every single thing that you would need to be an elite athlete at the highest level and I've, I've clearly also got the physical talent as well and yeah I just I'm not at that level yet but I know that if I just keep going that I can get there one day I just yeah I've definitely got what it takes and yeah I can see it so clearly in my mind where I want to be and yeah, if I just keep doing what I'm doing, you know, year after year and just keep putting in the work, I'll eventually get there and that's what I'm committed to doing.
1: I love that crystal clear vision and also commitment as well. I think, I've got no doubt that this is, there's there plenty more chapters to come um, when it's going to be an exciting journey. What would you say thriving means to you now?
0: To me, thriving means, you know, Firing on all cylinders, basically, and just I think first and foremost, like before you want to try and go achieve anything in your life and you know get some sort of success, I think thriving first starts with your own mental and emotional and physical well-being. And I think that I probably would have answered that question differently two or three years ago, but after you know the issues that I've had with my health this year. You know, just being sick physically and also, you know, the mental impact that had. I think I'm just so big on just being happy and healthy, first and foremost. Like, I think, you know, the last few years I've, I've put a lot of pressure on myself by, you know, having big goals and big dreams. And to be honest, there's been a lot of times in the last two or three years where I've been depressed and I've been really sad and been really upset because I've not been performing well on the bike or not been getting the sort of results that I want to get and i think that the process of the documentary doing that this year that's what it kind of forced me to look back on was remembering actually why i got on a bike you know why i started cycling if you take me back to that first day on a bike in 2016 when i wanted to be happier and turn my life around and told me that you know years in the future i would be depressed because of some sort of number or some sort of performance or some sort of result i thought that was crazy and so you know I started cycling to be happier and then got to a place where by being so serious about the bike where performances and numbers started to make me unhappy so I think first and foremost for me you know thriving is just being in a good place mentally and emotionally because honestly the best thing that you can ever have in your life is your own peace of mind and just to be happy like you can't do anything else when you've not got that and I think to me first and foremost thriving It's just having your head in a good place and being well physically, mentally and emotionally.
1: And I guess you have to make that a priority because, you know, as you've been speaking about today, no one's gonna do that for you. That's something that we have to do for ourselves and we have to find a way to do that for ourselves. Looking back kind of at your whole journey so far, which we know is not the whole book, just the journey so just some of the chapters so far, what would you say have been your breakthrough? moments
0: I think the the first breakthrough moment was obviously going through a big breakup and that was what led to me being really you know quite depressed for about six months that was a really quite difficult thing I think I look back on that quite fondly now because you know the worst thing that I've ever been through in my life which was that event the worst thing in my life led to all the greatest things in my life now and I wouldn't be who I am today without that so I think, first of all, looking at that big, horrible, negative, traumatic event and actually being grateful for it and seeing it as probably one of the best things that ever happened to me, that was the first breakthrough. Obviously, getting into cycling was the next big breakthrough. And that really, what that was for other people, is that was just taking massive action. Like, taking huge action and making big changes. Like, I wasn't a cyclist, wasn't very fit, but i just done something different and decided to get a lot of success from that. And I think the next one, which was probably the most important one, was committing to cycling around the world. Nothing has changed my life or impacted my life more than committing to cycling around the world because yeah, everything that's happened in my life the last three or four years, all the good stuff has came from that decision. Because when you commit to something and say you're gonna do it no matter what, you really just take all that options off the table And if I never committed to cycle around the world, I'd probably failed again. Yeah, I think that if you can find something in your life that you're so passionate about, you can commit to it and just show up for it every single day, I think that's really where a lot of my my mental strength and resilience came from.
1: And I feel like a lot of that is to do with having some kind of meaning as well. So it's it's, it's got to mean something to you to commit to. So I'm a bit dubious sometimes to kind of think about big purpose I don't know lots of people do have a big purpose for sure in life but sometimes that's really hard to kind of grab onto for people and it can be actually quite daunting to sit there and think I don't know what my big purpose is I, you know there's stuff I enjoy but I think a lot of what you've been talking about is cycling became really meaningful for you for whatever reason it meant a lot and I think once we have that we can then start to commit if it, if we're working towards something that holds meaning for us. It kind of pulls us forward. Would you do you have you found that in your
0: life? Yeah, I, I think purpose and meaning is huge. You know, it's really important for me. And I think sometimes what happens when you talk about purpose and meaning is that sometimes I think the message gets lost, and people think that to have purpose and meaning you have to be like an athlete or a singer or an artist or you know running a charity or doing something that something that sounds so big and heroic. But I think purpose can take many different forms. Like, if you think about, you know, the the famous story, which I love, is when I think it was one of the, President Kennedy, I think, was visiting NASA, and he spoke to the janitor, and he asked him what he was doing, he was like, I'm putting a man in the mood. And so it's like, you know, a lot of people wouldn't look at a janitor and think that he's got huge purpose, but that guy felt a sense of purpose. And I see purpose in all walks of life. Like, I seen it when I was in hospital. I seen it when I had, you know, brain surgeons and doctors and nurses and I remember watching them and I remember watching like my nurses, the way they were looking after me and other patients. And I remember thinking there's no way that they weren't born to do that because I couldn't do that. A lot of people couldn't do that in the same way that a lot of people couldn't do the life that I do and some of the things I've done on the bike. Like I couldn't be an engineer. I couldn't be a mathematician or a scientist. Like I've just not got a brain for that. I genuinely, truly, we're all here for something. Some of those things on the surface might seem a bit bigger and sexier than other things, but you know, if your bins stop getting emptied in your street, you would soon know about it, and everybody would feel it. And so, even if you're a bin man, that's doing like rubbish collection, like you've still got huge purpose for your community. But just I think as a society, we, we look at we look at different jobs and different responsibilities with with a different perception. But I think everybody can have purpose in a different form.
1: I agree I, 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 I think it's so important I love that story as well about the janitor at NASA I just think it and again it comes down to perspective how you view things and maybe there's a message there somewhere in terms of how we view what we're doing it becomes more or less purposeful or meaningful um I did see recently that you I saw a picture of you at Chris Hoy how was that yeah that, that
0: was amazing you know, obviously Sir so Chris really inspired me to start cycling back in 2015 and yeah i got to meet last week at a charity dinner in scotland so yeah it was just it was amazing to to meet him again and to to chat to him for a little bit and i showed him the photo of me and him um when we first met and i just yeah i knew he kind of knew my story a little bit because everything has happened since but i don't i don't think he even realized the full extent like when I spoke to him last week, I don't think he realized that, like, when I was inspired by him, that, like, I wasn't a cyclist. Like, I was in no way a cyclist. And I think, I don't think he realized that. So, yeah, no, it was really nice. And one of the things that means a lot to me is that, you know, Sir Chris Hoy inspired me to start cycling through me attending one of his talks. And now, through the work that I do, you know, I do talks. I go into schools and colleges and stuff like that and do talks for other people. And I don't know when it's going to happen, but I know at some point, some ambitious, determined wee kid's going to come up to me having done something amazing in their life and said, i done that because you inspired me that day. And whether that was on a bike or cycling or maybe something else, but I'm hoping and I know that one day that somebody's going to have a story like that. So yeah, I think that's really special as well. It means a lot to me.
1: That will 100% happen. So final question of all you, and I don't know if it's something that you thought about before. If you could go back to yourself a moment in time so you can choose any moment in time what would you say to yourself
0: if i can go back to my darkest time in life which was the 26th of may 2015 the day i decided to crash my car and try and end my life i would really just say keep going that's it like keep going things are going to get better that was the only message that i could give to myself because if i just had a wee bit of hope that night i wouldn't have done it I wouldn't have done it, and I've kept, have kept going.
1: Amazing, Josh, thank you. This conversation has been wonderful. The Mindset Matters podcast is not for profit, supporting Bloom Mental Health UK's resilience program for young people. Each time you listen to an episode, you're helping teens and young adults benefit from getting the support they need to become more resilient. You can discover more about the Bloom programme and their impact at mentalhealth-uk.org. It was a delight chatting to Josh, and I'm sure you are as inspired as I am by Josh's journey and his determination to get there. When faced with as many obstacles as Josh... I'm sure many of us would have questioned if this was the right path, but Josh knew he was meant to cycle. For him, it was a calling. And whilst it may have taken eight attempts, cycling around the world is an incredible feat to achieve. There are a few points in Josh's story and mindset that really stand out for me. First is how he discovered his own resilience through his physical preparation and the importance of not just training his muscles, but training his mind too. This is an area I talk about a lot and the importance of using resilience strategies to build our resilience reserves. Another point was Josh's realization that only he could change his behavior. He acknowledges that he was in a damaging cycle of blaming everyone and everything but himself. But with that self-awareness, he could build the skills he needed to change and gain the determination to transform his life. And that's a mindset we can all learn from. It's one that takes courage too. It's often much easier to hide behind excuses. But until we can view our full selves, our faults and our attributes, we can't see our full potential. Josh's journey is one of growth from start to finish, of using each new experience as a learning opportunity to be stronger for each future attempt. And well, as you heard, it paid off. Thank you so much for listening to the Mindset Matters podcast today. If you want to learn more about building your resilience, motivation and determination, check out the Mindset Matters Hub.